another episode of pull up trey i am the one who pulls up trey with the the famous the esteemed the acclaimed Raptor sure. public lead dog samson folk <laughs> how are you doing i'm doing okay hanging in it's nice to have like a few days off not only because you know darko was mentioning that they get this extra time to practice and instill stuff and you get a better idea of the shifting and sh- you know shape-shifting roster around you but it's also like i have a little bit more downtime so uh it's been nice i like downtime i do like more push-ups in the day or something like that because you, you, just you've working i've been seeing the bits. for the listeners i hope trey is sticking to two a day because that beach race is in a month <laughs> I'm, I'm just like just so everybody knows. I'm I'm yeah. locked in. I've given my best on on the treadmill treadmill every day, so I'm ready to go. All right, we'll see. Built versus bought. Okay, that's that's. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk basketball. Built versus bought applies there, of course, in the salary cap sport at times. But here's the thing, Trey. Pascal Siakam got traded. We're looking at a team that is in flux. I don't want to get too much of your thoughts on Pascal, but just give me your quick top-down view. Um, I'll start off with the, the great stuff. Like, one of the best Raptors ever. I'm glad that he's going to a team that, A, values him enough to give him the money that he deserves, and also that will be a very fun team to play with and only accentuates all of his strengths. Now, sure. Now for the reality. Until the year 2025... I will not be cheering for this team to be successful. <laughs> I, I don't I do not care how valuable he was to this team, this country. I will be preying on every single loss for the remainder of the season. You're you're like the, the world's biggest Indiana Pacers hater you, you, right now. You have to be. I'm sorry. Then uh, they have a tough schedule the next two or three games, so have you been locked into every game? I've watched every single game since the trade. Pascal and- Early thoughts? The defense, very, very good. You you might have been right about the quiet quitting. But I, I still think they're trying to figure out, like, how to fit within, like, one, his, like, isolation style, and, like, two, letting him be the ball handler while they work around him. Like, yeah. he, they're still running actions with him, sort of like his own siloed offense, which is weird. It's, uh, it's been pretty clunky, the offensive stuff so far. Like... A lot of the shots he's taken, because the dream was when Pascal arrives in Indiana, he's playing in this big open concept with Tyrese Halburn where he'll have so many gaps to attack and everything like that. But the the truth of it is that, like, actually, he hasn't had very many easy shots. Most of his shots as an Indiana Pacer have been pretty tough. We'll leave that there. So Pascal is gone. My question is the trade tree question and trade valor. Because people look at Donovan Mitchell they look at Rudy Gobert, anybody that's been traded and said like, hmm, what did they return? Is Bruce Brown a branch in Pascal's trade tree if he gets traded, or is he a trade tree unto himself? I think he's a branch on Pascal. Like, the, it's the only way you can stomach the, the trade, because like, I know you already covered it, but obviously the return is underwhelming. 
You thought you would get a sure. a young star, or not a star, just any young body <laughs> on the t- on the team, and they didn't get anyone. Looks like Bruce Brown's market is really hot, and if you're able to turn that into a younger player in a first, like say Dallas, for example, I can I could talk myself into Josh Green and four picks for Pasco. You would you'd be kind of gassed. I, I wouldn't be gassed, but I could I could say like this is the start of something. I can see. Okay, the so you're like a you're like a little trade sicko. Not not like full on trade sicko, but definitely more trade sicko than I give the people who watch the podcast. So we're gonna sit right here for a little bit. Trade sicko tray. TST is what we call it. What what have you been cooking up in your brain? Like what it seems like Bruce Brown is not gonna be a raptor. When you're trying to think to yourself, what do I want back? Is it have you extended past Josh Green in a pick? Yeah, like the all of all of the trades stem in the same same way. I think what why Dallas might be my favorite is that you can the salary that they would have to send would be a, a playable player. Like Rashawn Holmes, the Raptors desperately need uh, a backup center, a, a center in general. Like you could get him, Josh Green, and a pick, and you have two playable players in your rotation plus a pick. But other than that, um, like the clear obvious one is like Evan Fournier, Quentin Grimes, and ideally you get you get a pick as well. Quentin Grimes, a guy who can really shoot. The Raptors desperately need point of attack attack defense. Like the fact that Darko said like. Maybe maybe let's not play zone. Let's get let's teach these guys how to defend. That's kind of what that's what Indiana did this year too. Is Indiana stopped peel switching? They stopped nexting because Rick Carlisle. I remember I was sitting across from him last year, and I asked him. This was when he gave me props um, for understanding defense as somebody who watches you know covers the game, which is actually not that common to be honest. But I asked about like emerging defensive trends, and he said. I think the future of defense actually isn't like, you know, where you're kind of skipping steps and doing core coverage. I think it's like sticking your man, which is kind of like some that's old head stuff a little bit for sure. But he wanted to, you know, instill like that doggedness, like that I'm trying to guard my guy. I take pride in that. So he has the Pacers or had for a long time, just like not very strong help principles. Like, hey, you're guarding the guy, like guard him. I wonder if the Raptors might do more of that when winning is maybe not as big of an ideal, which from some of Darko's quotes today seems obvious. His quotes over the past few days. I wonder if that's something that we might see. That's fair. Um, I think the last one is from the obvious teams that, that have been mentioned with Bruce is obviously like the Lakers. Um, something like D'Angelo Russell, Max Christie in a pick works as well. Like Max Christie is someone I'm really high on. He He's a guy that can defend as well. He has... Although he shot shooting well this season, he has a shooter's pedigree from high school. He's still fairly young and I think has more creation upside than any of the young players that we mentioned as well. And he's an RFA, so you could could sign him long-term for fairly cheap and still keep keep salary space for for free agency. So if they come away with any of those three, I will talk myself into this this trade and say Masai Cooked. Okay. So there's a there's an avenue for you to be like, you know, are you are you still on the knife's edge of like Mas- Jover, Barack, you know, like the so far the OG trade has worked so well that like it's earned himself like four to five months of goodwill for me. So okay, well we just talked about the OG trade. Let's go to this next topic, which is Scotty in the wake of OG plus Pascal leaving. 
his, you know, pursuance of stardom, as Darko said, the future face of the league, some stats. So Emmanuel quickly, basically this one's off the top of my head, so it might not be exact, but his assist percentage goes from like 15% to 27% from the Knicks to the Raptors. He is now firmly, you know, a combine, a big machine in the midst of the Raptors assist farm, which now after realizing that Darko is donating money to three separate sick kids hospitals, the assist farm makes more sense. I wonder how much they had this, how long they had this in the works. Cause when I was watching from the start of the season, I was like, did they really just give a guy an assist for that? You know, it'd be like, like Dennis Schroeder, like walked the ball up the court. He'd like toss it off to like Pascal or Scotty. It'd be like nine dribbles later. They'd run a pick and roll and score. They'd be like, Dennis Shooter assist. I feel like what the I hell? remember. I can't remember the team, but Dennis's big assist game. He had like eleven in the first half, and we were stunned. I couldn't. I can't remember what the. Team it's was. like I thought he had four. Yeah. What do we? What do we? So yeah. this is, you know, cooking the assists for good. Yeah. You know, so not only not only are the assists juiced, but the providing juice in the way of funding to hospitals. God bless. But the thing I want to talk about is that we'll leave Scotty's stat line, but. Emmanuel quickly is a Raptor, 17 points, six assists. I think he's underperformed to some degree as he's now getting used to kind of guiding a team. And especially once Pascal left, a huge chunk of the offense just gets removed. That has to be, somebody has to emerge into that. When they had their best shooting game of the season, the whole season against the Heat, it looked great. It hasn't since. So IQ is a Raptor, 48% at the rim. That's really, really bad. 39% short mid-range. That's not terrible, but that is a lot worse than would be expected of a guy with literally one of the best short mid-range packages of shot making in the NBA. 24% long mid-range. We can think a lot about his pull-ups leaning to the right on the right side, whether it's baseline or otherwise. And 44% from three, including uh, nearly 46% above the break, which Darko mentioned the last time and you know, talked about how he wants eight, nine, 10 threes from him a game. The volume has been a little bit hard, but Emmanuel quickly is like thoughts yeah. since he's been here. Um, it looks like their initial thought process is either like a, like letting him grow into the dribble drive creator that they need him to be, or B that they thought he could stomach that usage. I'm hoping it's the, the former, but um, it's one of the reasons why like his minutes have been, been more chaotic than probably I expected. I think initially going in, you thought Scotty would be like his son and he would be orbiting around him. And that has happened to some degree. And that's where he's had the most success. One thing I've noticed from him and we've discussed like amongst our friends as well as like his, his shot prep is probably slower than you want to be with a guy who's orbiting around Scotty. Most of his shots come are coming right now off of really clean looks, and he needs to become a guy that is able to shoot within really tight spaces. That will make the Raptors a lot more dangerous, and it's also going to open up his dribble drive game. I think we haven't got the returns we thought on the floater yet, and I think that will positively regress also. But I, I'm, I, I would say I'm giving him grace in the sense of like he's stomaching a huge role that he never has, has done before, not mm -hmm. having a true center who Jakob sets great screens and also is a great play finisher as well. Yep. Nightly now the Raptors are leaving 10 to 12 points because our bigs can't finish in the line. I, I agree with that. So yeah. it's extremely tough. I I would say I would lean in more into RJ and Scotty 
despite their flaws and it, like the turnovers that it creates with them getting in the lane and having Emmanuel quickly play into his strengths as like an off-ball uh, creator. I think there's there's some interesting stuff. Like you don't notice this. I certainly couldn't have told you this prior to Emmanuel quickly becoming a Raptor because I wasn't close looking close enough. But when I was watching the game and you see like Emmanuel quickly isn't a guy who likes pulling up going to his left, which is irregular for a right-handed player. You know, you stack the load to balance yourself on your left side of the body. You keep the shooting arm clean. A lot of people love pulling up and especially the hang dribble with the opposite hand for the gather. He doesn't do that. And also they ran this twirl action for him to come off of a pin down going to his left. And I'm like, why wouldn't you run that on the right side of the floor, you know, to get him coming yeah. right? Because that's that those are the types of decisions from a coaching point of view that help suppress shot totals, let's say, because if he was coming right, I think he probably puts that shot up, whether it goes in or not. I don't know, but you're putting that shot up. You might create more closeout situations later on in the game. I'm not sure. Something I'm looking forward to. Um, what you mentioned about shot prep, you know, you say you are talking to our friends. What you mean really is a professional scout <laughs> who's talking about that. And like, it's true. His shot prep is a little bit slower, like not only in that, like he likes to catch and reset it, but also the feet are a little bit slow too. That kind of stuff will get cleaned up over time, I reckon. But the biggest thing is that he's limited right now because as you said, 10, 12 points every single game are being left on the rim or in the lane before the rim because there is no Jakob Pertl. Once there is, a lot of his best plays were kind of like occupying the low man and just leaving that ball for Jakob to go to the rim. Now it's like, it's not as clean. It's not as easy. That's something you, you mentioned, like approaching this with grace. Certainly I feel the same way. There's a lot of things I like seeing. The stuff he has, I don't know, struggled with initially, all of it is stuff I would have expected. Like you can expect a little bit more shot variation in the short mid range. We've seen Scotty and Pascal, two of the best, go through like cold stretches there. Um, the layup stuff, like the finishing, I wasn't like super sold on the layup packages and so yeah and then just like taking on the role of like you are now the lead guard and a lot of your stuff will be not really heliocentric around scotty not all of it will be working with the most talented player on the team but trying to like help lift up let's say replacement level or below replacement level big men it's tough it's a big ask yeah i RJ Barrett, however, well, go ahead, go ahead. I I think one thing what might be if he reaches to the reaches to the level that one of our friends believes he can, I won't say who, but um, I think he has he leaves a lot of points. I think within the mid range and adding some craft in there, like someone like a Darius Garland, where he's able to if he can't get all the way to the rim, stop, pivot, hit from there, pass the ball out, relocate from there. It seems like right now it seems he is very more like a Mori type player where he's either it's either a floater or it's either a three. And it it makes me easier to guard. I think like next year would be if he was able to add that within his game, it would add a lot and probably give him easier looks at the rim, I would say. Yeah, the problem with IQ immediately like adopting like that that let's say Garland or Brunson or like Kyle Lowry ability to kind of like hang out in the middle of the court is his pickup point is usually like free throw line or higher. And you're not dangerous with a, with a pivot at the free throw line or higher. You're dangerous when you're like within like 10 feet or so. Yeah. And that's something that the best players do. That's why 
I made sure to talk to Eric Spolstra about that when he was in town because he has Jamie Butler and used to have Kyle Lowry on his team, two of the best at using that extra dribble to get deeper and kind of like bump around in the paint. Um, he mentioned that they try to teach it, but that's something that's really, really hard to teach. And he also mentioned like if you if you pick up the ball too early, like an NBA defense can just swallow you whole. Like you'll you'll get stuck running in there. And so it was illuminating because obviously he has a lot more um let's say uh experience teaching NBA players to use an extra dribble heading heading downhill than I, I would positing that. So it's it's something I'm interested to see. It's something I'm paying attention to. Hopefully it's something he can develop. But RJ Barrett, a guy who has done a really good job of not getting stuck in floater range very often, in getting all the way to the rim, breaking through the last line of defense, and making reads as a passer, particularly on the left side of the floor to the right side, when he is truly walled off. Here are the numbers. RJ is a Raptor. 21 points, 7 boards, 3 assists, 72% at the rim, 49% in the short mid-range, 50% in long mid-range, and 38% from 3. Here's a funny stat. RJ has never finished except for a second year in the league where he was above average from three-point land. He has never finished above average in any quadrant outside of that in his career. He is above average right now as a Raptor at the rim, in the short mid-range, in the long mid-range, and from three. So going from a player who for four years couldn't be above average anywhere to a guy who's above average everywhere. Perhaps not all of this sticks, but I reckon that some will, and I feel most confident that it will be at the rim. 21, 7, and 3. He's been unbelievable. It, it's gotten to a point now where I'm expecting him to play well, which is which, yep. which says says a lot about what can happen in 12 games. But um, just playing, with, playing within an offense where he is getting a running start because he's playing in more motion, they're in transition far more often than the team he was was previously. And right now he he's their best dribble drive player, which it which I didn't expect to expect. That. Lefty magic, bro. Because he's a, an exceptional like strength creator. He's like when he gets in the lane, everyone knows he's going he's going left. He's still able to to use his body, extend, and create the separation needed. And the passing, like within the lane has been exceptional. He's able to hit hit the hit weak side with his left. He's done a couple passes with his right, which uh, I didn't think was, was possible. And then also just like he's hit a lot of um, dump offs in the lane with his teams mm-hmm. now. Um, the Bulls game is one example for it. really good defenders. Like even like Alex Caruso cannot stop him from getting to the rim and creating that separation yeah. just because he's just too large. Teams are are now bringing a second person once he gets into the lane. I think when Jakob is back, um, a game like that where he, he RJ was getting to the paint, but then there's Nikola Vucevic coming in the lane, mucking up every every rim attempt that he has. It makes it a lot easier because Jakob is going to be able to score and finish. So I think even though like the rim numbers are like gaudy right now, I think they're going to be able to maintain it. If he's, he's a... 34, 35% catch and shoot three point shooter. That's a far cry from what we had a year, even two years ago. And that's a positive, like, NBA player. So if IQ can get to uh, the levels that we think he can and RJ remains this way, like, 
I think they've gotten probably 120% value on OG given the circumstance of the trade. Yeah. And a true win win because the Knicks are what, like 10 and 2 yeah. since the trade was made? They're awesome. He, OJ, OG has been able to convert a lot of defensive possessions and help the Knicks stack their defense in a super complimentary way. And he fits their offense quite well too. And RJ has been able to take possessions that used to kind of get stuck in limbo for the Raptors as a secondary guy and really allow them to score on those and create like more punch scoring and playmaking pop. Because I know like Pascal is still included in the numbers, but as far as touches since the OG trade, it's Scotty at like 71 uh, Emmanuel at like 70, Dennis just below 60, and then low 50s, you're looking at Pascal and RJ. RJ is, he's no frills, man. He, like, he doesn't demand much of the ball. He's not stepping on toes. He's not doing all that kind of stuff. He's just like taking possessions that otherwise sometimes, like, sometimes guys score on them, but he's scoring on them a really high percentage of the time. Yeah. He's been awesome. You know, um, HY says bully ball Barrett. Ninjol says he's been a shining light the last two weeks. He's been awesome. Yeah. I love watching RJ play. I've like, and I know that's not the, I didn't love watching RJ play yeah. during FIBA. Like there was a lot of like indecision. There was a lot of like forcing it. It didn't seem like it was easy for him to process what's going on. And suddenly on the NBA floor, which is admittedly like a little bit more space with the Raptors, he's, he's knocking it out of the park. Yeah. And like I said, on the reaction podcast, you know, a couple nights ago i talked to rj i was like hey you doing anything different and he kind of bristled at it he was like he's like no i was like that's just rj he's like that's just me so very confident and that's awesome but he did go on to mention that like the context of the team does help he likes playing in this environment so to me as somebody who has always paid attention to you know like, what is a trend? What is variance? What are markers for future success? Like some predictive stuff. I think there's a lot of predictive success with RJ right now, especially as a driver. And it's not even really reliant on elite shot making. It's just he's doing a lot of the things that he's done in the past, shoulder down his way to the left side of the bucket and score. And it's worked really well on these Raptors. You ready for Scotty's numbers? Hit me. Okay, but you looked like you want to say something, though. I don't want to step on toes. What's up? The one thing I just wanted to ask was um, right now, obviously, like there's sort of a void in 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 a hub where the Raptors can make actions outside of Scotty. Do you think RJ can scale as like a post entry guy where he can then utilize easy reads to make passes and then also like go upon his actual ability to create with strength? I haven't I haven't seen something that makes me feel like that. He he will get post ups though because yeah. he's you know bully bully Barrett for sure bully ball Barrett. However you want to, whether it's like triple B or double B, whatever it is. Um, I've seen like pinch post stuff that the read he's making is like the cut right down the middle. Sure, um, like the gut cut. There's also like the one pass away he's able to make but i think it has the most utility obviously when it's on a mismatch like we saw against steph curry and malik monk for example that's too easy and especially if you can stack he and emmanuel on the same side then great because then you have the pass up top and it's not just emmanuel who will benefit from Jakob coming back but Jakob, if there's a guy coming from the bottom Jakob can seal the guy on his back 
and RJ can penetrate and make laydowns to him. So there's some stuff that can happen. I think it'll be really dependent on having a mismatch and also kind of like how they stack the four. Quickly from Top Shot Tesla, $2. Thank you very much. Trey and I will... What's worth $2? What are we going to spend that on? Um, We could like split a junior chicken. Is that how much a junior chicken is? Well, well, well I'm, gonna... I'm boy. Never mind. I'm I'm boycotting Jonas. Two dollars. We take it and oh my god, we have dog. We have hairline oh, compliments for you in the chat. Abrelo Los Soho says, "Did Treyway get a haircut?" I'll tell you guys this much. Anytime Trey and I go out, I look at him and he's always got a fresh cut. February sixth, the live podcast. He's gonna have a fresh cut. HY says clean hairline. Wish I had one like that. If you knew how often Trey and I talk about hairlines, you would you would not believe it. Um, any any response, Trey, for the hairline appreciators? This for for our group chat, this will be a, a monumental moment for me because I've yes. I've consistently said I have one of the best hairlines in the world, and now I'm hairline king, a hairline king. Uh, you absorb the hairlines of your enemies, and it keeps fortifying. Um, Here's the thing, though, and like Kai, it's not you. I'm so sorry, (laughs) but that's like that's the thing is you got to understand the key to not having your hairline made fun of is understanding your own hairline. You can't step out too far. Like you can't you can't think you're crispier than you are. Yeah, that's that's it's it's just it's just me and our and the father of ethical basketball duking it out. He does have a great hairline. Yeah. Um, so something that we wanted to talk about today. The pick conveying. I'm going to send the invite to S. We're going to see when he joins. And uh, we're going to debate whether the pick should convey this season. That's what we're going to talk about. You and S have had this out. We're going to have it out live. While we wait for him, there's something I wanted to ask you. Yes, sir. I have some names here. Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony. I wanted Pokemon comps for every single one of these. Do you? Did you meet the moment? I, I did. You want, you want me to go okay. each one? Or you want to go one each? Do you? Let's go same one at the same time, and we'll start with the one where I think we have overlap. Okay. Now, Snorlax. <laughs> Is Nikola Jokic. Of course. Now, let me say this. Jokic is massive. He's huge. He's tanky. But he also, he can learn anything. You know, like you could teach any move. And Jokic, I just watched him bang two triples down the stretch against Indiana. He can do everything. So it's multivariate. It's not It's not like, haha, big he guy. He also has like moments of like disengagement, like... I know we're in a Pokemon Rest. battle. Rest. I don't. I don't. I'm not engaged right now. And then he Snorlax wakes up. He bashes everybody. It's the it's the same sort of vibe. And the polka flute you have to <laughs> is like the Serbian music he listens to when he works out. You know. So it's, it's, it's a perfect it's a perfect comp, I say. Okay, S, we're bringing you in because I want to. Do you agree with Jokic's Snorlax? Yeah, I love that. I love okay. that a lot. Yes. I'm, Who, who'd you guys I'm pick for Charizard? Just hold on. Just hold on a second. HY says hair transplant. I su- I suspect S. This Are you is asking the, me? Well, the one episode I said that if you go to Turkey, I'll tag along. And it's because I said you yeah, were wealthy. Yeah. 
you're talked about when you're not around i i'm sorry to say anyway so we're gonna finish this little pokemon thing and then we're gonna talk about whether the pick should convey okay. Giannis, trey um, who'd you come up with Jared. wait wait can i ask you a question how how many generations did you go deep first generation is that what you got i want to say go like... i want to say two two i want to say two okay i think i'm i'm three deep three down that's insane Hey, man, I like Pokemon. Anyway, so Giannis, who do you have? Uh, Gyarados. Gyarados. Super, super big, super long, very, very angry, a little, a little one-dimensional, but it works every time. Okay. Okay. And also was underrated when he got picked up, which creates the Magikarp. Mm. Yeah, right? that's true. That was, that was, that was what I was thinking. Um, I didn't go Gyarados for Giannis. I said Groudon, but that's third generation, so you probably don't know. Groudon is a legendary Pokemon. He's like a beastly, burly guy. He's a, you know, that's that's the comp. We'll go to Luca. I'll start. Alkazam. Luca, Luca's the magician. Oh, yeah. Alkazam is the magician. He's got the yeah. spoons. He's psychic. The spoon. yeah. and, and because he's like a glass cannon because he has incredible offense, but he can't take a hit, i.e. defense. So I thought that one like kicked ass. <laughs> Who'd you have for Luca? I, I went with I went with Blaze Kid. Fire. So you were three deep. You're calling me little nerdy nerdy boy. Saying, I, thought, hey, I thought Blaze Kid was was Gen two. Um, but yeah, he several he has several counters. Luca has every counter in the book, and he's like super fiery and and is willing to fight. So I I thought it made a lot of sense. Okay. Blaziken's one of my favorite Pokemon ever. I love the third generation because he's like he got Blaze Kick, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. So LeBron, I chose Charizard because Charizard is the goat. To me. You're, you're underselling oh, yeah. LeBron James, please. Charizard <laughs> is the goat. How do I undersell the goat? Isn't it, what, Pikachu what, the goat? No, Pikachu's a, Pikachu Pikachu's a constant loser, bro. <laughs> i don't know listen any pikachu of the pokemon was, movies pikachu I've was scoring high points per game on bad teams yeah. pikachu's like charles barkley like he probably had like one or one mvp season he's been in our lives for years but never won anything oh. og3 and says mewtwo for lebron that's, that's, that's a good mine one, actually I, that's mine okay that's it's the greatest pokemon yeah. ever not wrong. Char- I feel like Charizard 1v1. No chance. No, no chance. way, bro. Yes, no bro. way. Man. I've lived that. Mewtwo I, is waxing him, bro. I was I was like bodying Mewtwo with and, my And Charizard. Mewtwo jumps Wait. from jumps from place to place in, in a flash. He's able to, to do anything within the book. The greatest yeah, he's cooking. Okay. That's that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony. This this might be controversial, but I I because I, this is your favorite. Yeah, I said Raikou. This is your guy. Raikou. Yeah. <laughs> give give me give me the thought process here. Le- a legend of the game. Every every <laughs> and okay. Raikou can can jump from multiple different different types. He has water type moves. He has fighting type moves. He he has electric type moves. Carmelo has every trick in the bag as a score. Raikou. Yeah. Like the the legendary dog, yes. he has water and fighting. Yes. I man, I I I didn't know that. Myself? To be quite honest with you, yeah, nerd, <laughs> nerd, that's you, brother. Okay, I have Polyrath. Poly- 
Do you even know? Poly wrestler, the little... He's the fighting, the fighting frog. He's beefy boy, because yeah. that's what everyone. And here's the thing: who's the shooter? Mellow, water gun. Uh, okay, he got the fists on. People underrate his ability to go like bang around and get after it. So I thought, Polyrath. <laughs> that's not. It's not so bad. I know that's underwhelming. Top Shot Tesla donated another two dollars. Said I'd be more impressed if this was Digimon. I watched Digimon especially the first one. It had a bare naked lady song in the opening, whatever the kid was like running around. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. I don't remember the name of any digital. Facts. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, OG three <clears throat> says Charizard is Kobe. The pure hoopers think he's the goat. Are you calling me a pure like, hooper, a pure hooper <laughs> analyst of Pokemon? I feel like that's, I feel like that's hate. Ball don't folk. Um, Anukarsh Gupta says, uh, Carmelo can be Pikachu if we're gonna say perennial loser. <laughs> That's crazy. Car- Carmelo revived New York. He, he... Pikachu revived the Poké Center. Oh lord, he's spitting. But he okay. Anyway, here's what <laughs> I'll say: If Pikachu had won at the start of his career and then lost the rest, then I would say something. But we're here to talk basketball. Is the pick supposed to convey? I'll let you guys take care of this. Pikachu um, is the face of the league, you know. I just wanted to say, and when whenever people think, if you're like a casual Pokemon fan, the first character you think of is Pikachu. Charles, Charles Barkley's more known than most NBA players as well. That doesn't mean he won anything. More than LeBron, more than MJ. No way, man. Why? Yeah, it's like we have multiple reasons. We looked at this deeper than you could ever imagine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Opening statements. Who wants to go first? Okay, go. Trey. Go. Opening statements. Okay. Not- is this thing supposed to convey? And wait, let me set the stage. Go ahead. The Raptors have a have traded a top six protected pick to the San Antonio Spurs. They are currently in sixth place in the lottery. So that means they have a 45% chance to keep their own pick when the lottery comes, if all things hold true. They could reach like eight or ninth best odds. They won't reach top five, I don't think. There we go. I, Four is I'll yours, start. sir. Um, statistically, like we've all known, the the higher the pick that you have, the higher the chance of getting a perennial all-star, MVP, regardless of the draft. Everyone agrees with that, sure. correct? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Sure. Thumbs the, up. The, the Raptors currently have the sixth pick. There's a chance that they can go up. There's a higher chance that the, the pick goes down and they give up the pick. In, in my opinion, it's it's better for the Raptors to ideally jump up and keep and keep the pick. So there's great guys like Alex Sar, Topic, there's Risha Share, there's uh, Matas as well. All quality guys that you like, you like Dillingham? I, I don't I wouldn't pick him top six, but I do like him a lot. Okay. But so not that much. Um Adding another another talent to the to the Raptors, while they also have salary cap, gives them a really good chance to build on the things that they've they've done to acquire a nice young team and give the Spurs next year uh, a much higher pick. The constant the consensus thought is this draft is obviously isn't isn't that good. I I agree it's not as good as other years, but you guys are not Josh Cordonaire. You guys have no idea what any of the players are in the next in next year's Wait, draft. you guys. Wait, I'm, <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> fuck me. What do you say fuck me for? Like, what, what are you doing, bro? I'm not Wait, even calling myself a scout. Well, okay, Y'all yeah. two had the argument. Anybody on this? Well, well, next year's draft is much better. Like when no one has ever done any work and knows any of the players in the draft except except for Cooper Flag. The Raptors have <clears throat> the good thing about the the protection is they could be bad next year and keep that pick as well. So I'd much rather acquire another talent, use the salary cap they have to make a much better team and give the Spurs the worst pick possible. Espandiar, you have the floor. I'm going to start my opening statement by reading the top 10 players in the 2013 NBA oh, draft. My Lord, you, you want, you want, you want to extend it to 15, please? <laughs> yeah. Let me just go ahead. and <laughs> Let me just read it out. Anthony Bettit, Victor Oladipo, Otto Porter Jr. Shout out Toronto Raptor, Cody Zeller, Alex Len, Nerlens Noel, Ben McElmore, Contavious Caldwell Pope, two-time champ. Very nice. Three and D guy right there. Trey Burke and CJ McCollum. Okay. Where, That's you want to three, add, maybe add other names. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you want me to continue on Michael Carter Williams, Steven Adams, Kelly Olinick, Shabazz Muhammad. And then later on, there's this guy named Giannis Antetokounmpo that pops up, but right. you know, anyways. Okay. Look, I can sympathize with the let this pick not convey this year route, but at the same time, don't you want to be in control of your own destiny, ladies and gentlemen? Don't you want to be able to dictate what you want to and are able to do moving forward in the future? That's great, why right? Are we, why are we getting a meninist <laughs> Andrew Tate speech right now? No, I'm kidding. Bubble, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like 50% your destiny. Joking. Be a man. You know, like, it's... Okay, I'm 50% joking. But I okay, the, the real truth of the whole convey or not I think a lot of it does have to go with the fact, and even if we were to remove the the fact that this draft is weak and next draft, we don't know what it is. I think it's all about having control of your future assets. If you were to let this pick go and you keep this pick, right? Top six, whatever you get six, five, maybe even you get one. That's all cool. That's all dandy. But you also don't know how good you're going to be next season. And I think that is a risk the Toronto Raptors can't take because I do not think that they are going to be going to get big fishes in free agency. You know, some of the guys that have been mentioned, I just do not think that that is a viable route or something that they can bank on moving forward. So if you're going to be bad, you got to double down and be bad twice, two seasons in a row in order to keep that, or actually three seasons in a row, because it's protected again in 2026 to be bad enough to keep it again. So that that's my essential crux here because i do not think that they can build a team good enough to be i don't know 13th pick 14th pick 16th pick 17th pick okay maybe not 13th but i do not think they could pick a non-lottery pick next season or build a team that's a non-lottery team next season that is where my that is where the crux of my argument comes but also part of it is pick flexibility so let's say you end up being good enough next season and you end up being competitive enough and you're like, well, we got to build around Scotty. We got to go and get this guy that just became available. You now have more control of your picks moving forward to go out and trade for that guy. So that's all. That's all. That's the opening statement. Okay. A couple questions Rebuttal. before I continue. Um, okay. <clears throat> do you think the Raptors in the near future are in any position to trade their, their own pick? Any, anyone? 
they they could they very well could be like, yeah. maybe yeah <laughs> yeah but you don't know until you know right like you you don't know until you know and you you won't have control of it. you know what i mean that's that's my all right, yeah. all right. do you we know? have trey on one side saying that y'all weren't in the gym quit pretending you're in the gym you don't know what this 17 year old is going to look like which is a valid point yeah then we have s with a very strong debate strategy of requiring the other side to prove a negative <laughs> this these these immovable object unstoppable force pray continue okay. also do do you know if the pick doesn't convey for example if the pick doesn't convey yep that the seventh pick it will be worse than any other pick that they get next year in repeat that. What do you, what do in you mean? In 2025, you are you positive that whatever pick that we land with will be better than getting a top six pick? Well, we like mathematically, we have to jump up to top four to most likely. Right. Yeah. Do you, do you uh, know this? No, no one knows this. I don't, you don't know and this. NBA either. history says that yeah. you need to have really high picks in order to win games. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but yes, most times, yes, absolutely. You can make an argument for that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, the, I'll give the you MVP that. of last year. What pick was he? <laughs> okay, what about the MVP for the last two years after that, bro? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like history. History says like you get a guy in that range, and yeah. it leads to good results. Even the cost, even the opportunity cost of it is significant. My my thing is that. You can't dig into the unknown and pre-assume the value of this 2025 pick. Because even at the worst case scenario, and they're bad two years in a row, that just means you kept two, you got the opportunity to have two great talents in the top six instead of one. And it gives you two shots of acquiring guys that can either A, be with Scotty right here, or surpass him and be the guy that you need to help you win okay. the title. And the Raptors I have never you. had... Two of those guys in Vincent T Max. So, you know, Vincent T Max. Okay, look, I agree with you. I understand where you're coming from. Are we just going to pretend that like DeMar DeRozan and Jonas Valanciunas weren't both top 10 picks? (laughs) (laughs) They were were franchise building blocks for a little bit too, right? Okay. I just, I understand where you're coming from, but from the other side, there's also the risk, like you said at the beginning, that there's a risk that you could run with you you lose the pick and you might have to lose another pick you know what i mean like there's that type of risk available you also have the risk of let's say this pick does not convey and it's the sixth pick next year if you were just as bad or worse maybe you don't get the same lottery odds and you give up the seventh pick or the eighth pick in the next draft that is the biggest fear you're leaving yourself exposed to something like that by allowing this to happen. I think that risk is greater than the risk of having That sounds like you're, what you pre, you're you're pre-assuming that a 2025 pick outside of 6 is better than having a pick in the top 6. Which I, is that none of us here do people identify none of us here with are that. Josh Cordonera. <laughs> okay, I agree. Okay, but like if you were to if you were to ask a I, Wait, I don't know. Yeah. Can I can I interject as the intermediary here? What Trevon Heath is doing right now is appealing to authority and nobody here is an authority, but there is conventional wisdom that is discussed. For example, 
I don't know the tech behind how this computer works, but when I turn it on, I trust that it will now. <laughs> and there's also many other things, let's say in the medical community that has been in the hubbub over the past however many years where people can call into question why you believe a thing, but they themselves don't actually know anything to push back against it. You're just siding on the side of like what S has heard, what we've all heard is that 2025 is going to be like that draft is supposed to ban yeah. and 2024 Masai was on the podium and said, I don't want that. Ah. He was like, <laughs> he was like, I shouldn't say something right now. Yeah. That was like, so obviously he doesn't think highly of the draft. And the comparison would be like 2013 top 10, right? Yeah. You get like a top six pick. Honestly, like you're looking at Marcus Smart, Dante Exum, Aaron Gordon, Jabari Parker, Andrew Wiggins. And one of those six guys is Joel yeah. Embiid. You go back seven through 10. Julius Randle, Nick Stauskas, Noah Vonley, Alfred Payton. You even start going back further. Doug McDermott, Dario Sarch, Zach Levine, TJ Warren. So basically, the draft is a crapshoot. Yeah. It's tough. You're both arguing in a different sense that, like, the draft is a crapshoot and it's tough, but with a lean towards your own, like, presupposition, <laughs> which I yeah, love. pretty much. We, yeah. like, we have been arguing about this Ch for, like, two days. <laughs> Yeah, yes, chat, yes chat seems to, on its face, agree with S. And I might just be saying that because I saw one comment that seems to agree with S. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that this is like a very interesting conversation. I'm going to tell you what I think from the Raptors' point of view, using my deeply sourced knowledge. I think that the Raptors want it to convey this year. Now, that doesn't mean that's the right or wrong answer. Yeah. But I think that they want it to convey. That's what I'll say. Yep. Any final points anyone wants to make on this specific topic? If the, yeah, I told you so. If the, <laughs> the Raptors <laughs> win, win enough games and the pick is 10 and 11, I'll be like, that's a okay. That makes that makes sense. God bless. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think yeah, it's, I it's think far so. more likely we give the seventh pick. And the fact that you've traded a decent NBA center for a potential, a potential guy who could be a, a rookie, like an all NBA guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a max rookie extension guy is yeah. an awful trade. I'd much rather lean into the fact that you could retain that type of talent and it ideally accelerates your timeline with your young star who just got selected to try out for team USA. The, the stuff that really dictates this, is whether the Raptors in their scouting, like it isn't the projected value of seven in 2024 versus like 12 in 2025, which is kind of where this conversation is. The, the conversation for the Raptors is via our scouting, do we think that the guy we really like is going to be like, I don't know, at 12 or 13? Then we want it to convey. Right. Then we want to package Indiana pick. OKC pick, probably OKC pick, and see if we can jump up or mm -hmm. maybe even add that that Pistons early second, something like that. I think that is, you know, something that is the biggest consideration for the Raptors is like who they like. Because in a draft, it's not about like, oh, is this a good draft? Is this a bad draft? It's like, do you trust your scouting? Is there a guy you like? Is that guy gettable? That's how you get Maxi at 21, for example, right? Or 20. But that's that's where this that's where the conversation really sits but then 
nobody is none of us here are in the Raptors front office. Nobody's got Masai on the phone. <laughs> so it's an interesting conversation. Yeah. For what it's worth, I, I could agree with Trey if it was let it convey top 10. And then, by the way, if they do end up going out and chasing free agents, like we've talked about it in our conversations before, like if they get like Nick Claxton, if they add like Malik Monk, whatever, in terms of what they can get via free agency, this conversation changes. The equation of this conversation changes because then next year's pick becomes, you know, much less valuable. You, it becomes a 15th, a 16th overall pick, seventh, whatever, right? I just don't really have faith in them going out and doing like a, a Rockets type, we're going to throw money at these guys type of thing. I just don't see, I don't know if they've never really moved that way in the first place. And I don't know. I don't, I don't see them doing something like that either. You well, know? It's also, it's what Masai mentioned at the press conference as well, is that like a lot of the best free agents in the free agency pool that you would throw money at are former Raptors who like, <laughs> perhaps that's not actually how it's going to yeah. shake out. Yeah. I, I do wonder what it, what it looks like though, but it is like on its face. The value of like the seventh this year versus like roughly versus or sorry like maybe the sixth or fifth this year versus the value of eleven or twelve. There are people who could you know scrape data, do like a I don't know a box score plus minus prior, and then tell you the average value of each slot. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that, but I'm saying that that's <laughs> out there somewhere. Anybody can feel free to look. I don't really know. It's very interesting. I'll ask this, though, quickly. Do we think Bruce Brown, when he gets traded, returns a first-round pick for this season? Oh, for 2024? Yes. I hope it's a 2025 pick. <laughs> I, I just feel like you're adding, like, what that would be tech, almost five 2024 yeah. first-round picks, that's, that's which is just like, what are you? Uh, what's the point in that? I feel like they're probably gauging for... 2025 or, or later than that, right? Yeah, I, I would assume it's yeah. okay. It's also, it's, ava- it's availability as well. True, yeah. It's the, it's the intersection of what, because some of the teams that want Bruce yeah, yeah. have first-round picks tied up because of the, the Stepien rule and that kind of stuff. So we'll see what works out. But it is interesting because, like, yeah, would you would you feel, like, let's say they do get a 2024 pick in that draft. Do you mm-hmm. immediately start saying, like, okay, convey, or do you think I'd rather, this is for Trey, do you hope that it conveys this year if they get a 2024 first rounder for Bruce? Or do you think I'd rather trade myself out of this situation at the draft than I then try and like have it not convey? Mm, If they say they, say they get like another pick in the twenties for Bruce, I would be okay with the pick conveying at like seven or eight and then being able to trade up to 13 because like from and i'm not josh cornero but i have i have watched a, a bunch of these guys i think roughly after like three to be honest it's pretty much a crapshoot from like four to 15 and if you're able mm-hmm. to trade into one of those slots and you also get like a quality young player for for bruce that would like that's probably the the biggest asset within the trade and you get to 13, yeah. then it's no harm, no foul. Um, here's an interesting one from the comment section. Minhaz Rahman says, I'm going to play devil's advocate. The reason the 2024 draft is considered weak is because there are no projected quote-unquote superstars. All the guys in this draft are seen as rotational players slash starters. 
but not all-stars. If we believe in BBQ, then we just need role players. Does that swing anybody? Is this new info to anybody? Does this provide different considerations around the draft? I would disagree that we just need role players. I, I, I agree with that sentiment too. Um, yeah, barbecue, I quite like how it's caught on as a branding thing. Uh, Scotty Barnes, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, I do not think is something that uh, develops into like world beaters mm-hmm. as like the main three. And also, like, I guess this is also to to Trey's point about it conveying this year or not conveying this year. Whenever you have a chance to add really high quality talent to this team, you do add it. Like, I I agree with the sentiment overall from what he's saying with that. It's like, yeah, what, if if they were to randomly get the first overall pick this year, I'm not going to be like, no, I can't believe it. You know what I mean? Uh, go go draft Sar and and have your center of the future. Like, I yeah yeah. I, you want to take a walk outside, light up a ciggy. What have I done? You know, whatever. I think 2020 is like fairly similar years. Obviously, it doesn't have like an Ant Man Lamelo type like gravitas to it, but um, gravitas. No, man, holy just... smokes! Toilet paper word of the day. <laughs> I'm trying to keep. I'm trying to keep myself sharp in my old age, but. Oh, Anukarsh actually mentioned something. She said that person said, if it doesn't convey, couldn't you just trade the pick to San Antonio for your 2025 pick back? I doubt they would do that. They they, they got us. Like if we got if we got five, right? Yeah. There's no 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 chance. But I like 2020 overall, and you look at the draft, it's not great. But there were still like needles in a stack. There's like you mentioned, Tyrese Maxey. Really quality guys that you could find in the 2013 year. There was one of the best players in the NBA. So I would like a chance to to pick with Cody Zeller. Big show, <laughs> James Boo. <laughs> <laughs> just give just give me a chance to let Masai look at the look at the landscape and pick the best one up. Okay, I have a couple things to add before we segue to something else. Shea Gilgis Alexander. That's Caesar, okay? Like the coolest Pokemon in the whole world. Draymond is Hitmonlee because he, you know, he kicks. Yeah. <laughs> he does. yeah, okay. Draymond is Hitmonlee. And Wobbuffet is Rondo because in the games, Wobbuffet has like Mirror Coat and the other move that's like completely dependent on what the other Pokemon is doing. If you select the right one, you like counter it perfectly. And so, like, playoff Rondo as the guy who comes and, like, counters what teams are doing, I think that's the Pokemon comp. You thought about this. Wait, can I get a Dang. Scotty Barnes Pokemon comp? What, is there a Pokemon who doesn't know how strong he is? <laughs> <laughs> Scotty Barnes? I feel like Machamp, yeah, I was going to say Machamp, yeah. Yeah, Machamp? Because yeah. I feel like, also, it, Machamp, maybe he couldn't beat Mewtwo, but I feel like he could, like you know, body Mewtwo under the rim and, like, dunk on him once. But then, like, Machamp also looks like he's maybe not quick foot speed on the perimeter as well. And he's, like, and Scotty's big arms guy. So, yeah, Machamp, I think. Um, We also had a request, RJ Barrett. Does anyone have an RJ Barrett? Is there a Pokemon with, like, a big left what's, arm? What's the Pokemon <laughs> that, like, just rolls up into a ball and just, just spins and bashes through everyone? around its name. Sonic. <laughs> it's like an armadillo wait don fan don fan it's like an armadillo elf- yes. elephant just just like a basher in the lane 
Nice. Mm. Yeah, that's that's not so bad. Okay, I might come back to that one. I might poke around and look at them. But okay, so we have we have listener questions. Um, we just answered, you know, in in great t- detail the um, Kenyan's question of convey or not to convey. That is the question. Um, we have one from here, which is is a good question from Hush. Quote: What difference do y'all see in Scotty's jumper leap that sep- separates it from spikes like 2021 Randall, 2016 Draymond? If you had to target one player over 30 at the deadline, who you got? So basically, this is something I talked about on the last episode about, you know, looking at Pascal's drop off as a three point shooter after that initial bump in 2019-20. Is there any reason to look at Scotty shooting like 29% since the trade, for example, from three as like this is a dip back to what people expect to be his normal, which is a little bit pessimistic, but pessimism can often pay off. Uh, what do we think about Scotty's like jumper in the in the time since? Does anything stick out to you guys? I would, in my opinion, it it seems as though like his jumper from everything we we've been told um, is like best suited for catch and shoot opportunity. It's it's a set shot. I know he's worked to speed up the the release of it, but now he's he is the the central creator now, and before he. When they were starting Dennis and Pascal, two guys that can really get downhill, and he was able to get more catch and shoot opportunities and shoot like that. Now it it's 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 a it's a lot tougher knowing that the defense is also now like respecting the shot and, and defending him. He's getting far less opportunities than he was beginning of the season. But he also had a really cold streak early on, and we we thought, oh, he's returning back to form, and it it exceeded our expectations so i i don't think he's a the high 30 percent shooter i think he, he probably will like plateau like average which is like a home run for like his archetype as a player just for this season or going forward going going forward like i think he's gonna finish somewhere between probably 37 i think he's 36 right now no he's gonna be higher than 36 right now he he's maybe have, like he might have dropped off sure a little bit recently off. but let me see. Well, he has dropped off, but I feel like he's still at like 37%, maybe. He's at 36.7%. On the ball. Good Lord. The ball, there you go. I mean, the, the job is yours. That was it. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I agree mostly with everything Trey said. I, I think the, the main thing that I noticed when I went back and did like, okay, comparing his shooting to Brandon Ingram's or Draymond Green's or Pascal's or Julius Randle's, it was like, these guys, and even the the guys who became successful as shooters, the catch and shoot number always goes up, and then eventually the percentage goes up with it. And then afterwards, they try to do more pull-up self-creation stuff. Then you see the percentage go down, and then it eventually levels out because they're, they have a more diverse shot diet of guys pulling into, pulling into jumpers or catch and shoot jumpers. If Scotty is going to have this on-ball role, like you mentioned, like there is going to be... I guess at least one or two pull up jumpers a game from him now, at least from three point line, from the three point line. So that's probably it. Like it just averages out to a certain area. So I don't know. I'm kind of repeating what Trey said, but yeah, that's that's okay. So got a bunch of pessimists over here. I'm going to take the optimist route. I okay. think Scotty can hang around like 38, 39 percent at some point in his career. Um, I have been saying this whole season, though, if it came back down to like between 35, 37 percent, I wouldn't be surprised. I hope the dip is done. And as you said, like if if it steadies at this, totally fine. 
people would have been overjoyed if he made the leap to like 33 or 34 percent people were losing their minds correctly so seeing it go up to like 40 percent 39 percent it hung at 38 percent for a while but i'm a i'm a believer in it because i think his touch is insane and Mm -hmm. if he keeps his shot mechanics simple and lets the touch do the work recess schools out Vince, throw it. Don't aim it. <laughs> okay, I'm a believer in it. Good stuff. Um, Good stuff. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a possibility. We have a question from T, uh, a guy who seems to be a Knicks and Wolves fan, but is asking about the Raptors for whatever reason, says, if the Raptors were to add a guard at the deadline to ease the creation burden off the young guys, would you prefer a pull-up jumper-centric player in D'Lo or a rim pressure player like Fultz? S, I'm going to you because you're a little trade sicko. Trade sicko S. I posted one little screenshot here. You have a long history. You have, we in the biz call it a rap sheet. I do. We call it. I've been trying to clean up my rap sheet though, you know, because I have I don't even post little little screenshot fanspo things. I did it today. Today I broke it. I broke the little. It just so happened that you know today was the day. This is like when we talked to Keenan. We're like, when was the last time you were in Spacey? Like I haven't been there in months. And then like four minutes later, he's in the spaces. Don't don't let him shame you. Do your thing. I know they shamed you out of doing draft comps, but don't don't let him shame you. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Alexander Sar is DeAndre. Yes, exactly. Let's go. I would rather pull up shooting, but I think uh, the one thing I would prioritize is point of attack defense with that pull up shooting. Just any kind of resourceful defender, someone who can fight around screens. And I don't think D'Angelo Russell is the answer to that. It's also tough because even with Markel Fultz, you're like, well, you're not getting that other side of the equation, which is the pull up shooting, but you are getting that point of attack defense. Hard to find a player like that that can give you that level of offensive production plus the defensive side of the ball where he can be at least at a neutral level. So I I feel like if I had to lean one way or the other, I'm going with the pull-up shooting, which is what this team desperately needs right now. When I think of it, I immediately think in a platonic sense, you want pull-up shooting. Okay. (laughs) You want pull-up shooting in a platonic sense. But I think I like Fultz better than D'Angelo, especially because of the defensive utility. But then when I think about Fultz versus D'Angelo, I think about the spot that RJ occupies on mm-hmm. the Raptors, and I think about Fultz offensively kind of harming that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Aleg? Okay, so Aleg, would you rather D'Angelo Russell or Markel Fultz on the Raptors? Oh, that's a good question. D'Angelo Russell? Because he's D'Angelo Russell, for anybody, you see Aleg, he's the hair inspo. You know, like that's <laughs> anyway. He, he's like a handsome guy who dresses really well. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. I think I will go with I, I will go with D'Angelo Russell because he's like on the Lakers. Just watched him yesterday. He was <laughs> defensively. I wouldn't. Ah, I mean, he was playing really well. Like with the Wolves, like being very vocal. Maybe that's something that's good for people. But uh, Fultz, though. He's a people's champ, you know. So okay, all right, noted. Trey, we'll we'll swing it to you. Thank, thank give you. me deloading. Um, deloading. Okay, I just I think he's far less harmful within the lineup, and it allows guys to play more naturally than what they are currently post Pascal trade. Like quickly is able to 
play like the shooting guard that he most naturally was beside Brunson. RJ still has an open lane because Delo's still a very good shooter. It allows Scotty even to, in some sense to ease the pressure off of being the on-ball creator. Allow him to to play lower within the offense, which I think still offers like his most advantages. And D'Lo is still like a pretty good pick and roll playmaker, and pairing him with Jakob would create a really good offense. The defense is going to be very terrible, but the defense is terrible right now. So, and the pick doesn't need to convey anyway. So, and for anybody listening in chat or afterwards. It isn't necessarily D'Lo versus Fultz. It's kind of like, sure, you can consider them because they're spo- they're both reportedly gettable, but it's kind of like, think of a facsimile of that type of player then. Yeah. Like, what what do you think is more important? So I think initially, like, pull-up shooting is probably more important. But when I think of Fultz specifically, I think of defensive utility, and I like that. And I have also a guy who, for a time, had Fultz Island in his Twitter bio, <laughs> which obviously paints me as quite biased in this conversation. Hoop Goose also adds, would say Fultz if he wasn't tainted by J. Cole. Am I missing something here? What's what's the connection between J. Cole and... Cole? I don't know. I thought he meant Cole Anthony I, I for a second. If you want, uh, just make, type in Jake Hole if you mean the rapper. Um, and then Cole Anthony, just type in Cole Anthony. Okay. Um, and Yeah, anyway, that feels like a decent place to leave that specifically. Um, front court stuff. Does anybody think that they should be adding front court help at the yes. deadline? Yes. A thousand percent. One hundred percent. Please. No question. Yes, please. <laughs> Jante ain't got the knees, no. man. I'm sorry. Okay. I love him. Who, who, but... who are you guys looking at then? Um, PJ Washington. Is PJ Washington really a big? He's not an actual big. He's, he's a little, he's he's a little tweener. He's a, he's a little tweener. He's a little tweener. I, I, give me a little tweener. The Timberwolves said, he's a, let's – Forget about the game and just keep passing the ball because it's so easy. I so, I so, hey, to Cat's demise, you know, to Cat's own demise, he he tested PJ for sixty two. No, I'm kidding. I'm playing, but I, I, (laughs) I do think they should add some size, though. I agree with y'all that they should add some size. Is PJ Washington the answer? No, but I do like the fact that he can potentially space the floor. And, you know, like be a little small ball five for you in certain units, play him next to Scotty. I think there's an appeal to that type of player on here. If you were to swap PJ Washington and Chris Boucher on this team, what would they do? How how much better would that second unit be? In my opinion, I think it would be better. But what do you have to do to swap them, though? Like, what do you have to attach? So I, I thought it would be this was the fan spo the little Twitter thing I dropped in there. <laughs> it's the one. It's the one I did. Um, I, I had it as Bruce Brown going out with one of the 2024 picks attached, not the Indiana one, the OKC worst of pick. Um, and you get Quentin Grimes and PJ Washington. You always cook up these monstrosities. <laughs> I'm, I'm considering it. But so when I was thinking of it, and you're like, okay, let's add size, PJ Washington and Quentin Grimes. I'm thinking that there's not a lot of size there. Um, fair, fair. Like yeah. my my thought is, the Raptors not having their second, they have like either the best second or the second best second in the draft. That's not worth taking a flyer on a big. Who can you get that? Because the Raptors had a really solid front court. Yeah. Like if if Coloco didn't have his health problems. Jakob didn't get injured. Like, I think the Raptors with like 
Thad and Chris Boucher stepping in, obviously Precious leaving via trade. They had like a very strong back or front court, especially depth wise, maybe not top end talent, but depth wise. What do you do now if part of the thinking is obviously like there's going to be a lot of minutes going to Yak, but who do you want eating up? Because you're looking for a second string center, right? Third string, I'm sure everybody's fine with Jonte and and Thad kind of like vacuuming that up fine. Um, maybe it's different depending on, you know, the, the matchup on a given night. But who are you actually looking for in season? I'm not talking about in the future. Not not talking about going after Nick, Nicholas Claxton in free agency. I'm talking about in yeah. season. Who do you try and add to make this season, like, easier so that guys don't have to, like, play up as often, so that guys can develop, like, pick and roll reps with, like, a, a big – you know what are you what are you trying to get? Who is that guy? And also, uh, shout out to uh, Coach Roach. He was the one who asked about that on on Twitter. Hmm. Like off the top of my head, like because Dallas is a team connected with Bruce, like getting Holmes back in the trade makes makes sense. Okay. He's a play finisher. Mm-hmm. It's already already in a decent back backup role and offers offers some as a passer. A little a lot of the stuff that Jonte already does, but just a little a little bigger. And can and can finish, so I think that would make sense. But if like that's pretty good. Yeah, if you're weaponizing the the second the second pick, then you'd I pro- I probably wouldn't trade the second. I, I'm, I'm bullish on yeah. that. Yeah, but that's and you know as people said, you know, an early second rounder is basically basically. Than <laughs> <I think>. yeah. <laughs> so I I hope he clips that. Wait, can I it. add a guy? Um, yeah. I, 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 Hopefully I want... one over six foot eight, please. <laughs> yes. Okay. I got you. I think someone who could stretch the floor helps though. That's why a guy like PJ Washington jumped out initially. And I don't think PJ is like six. What nine, is it six, like eight. 2017, bro? Please. I just, I just want someone who could stretch the floor a little bit. How about Wendell Carter Jr.? That is another option if you wanted to attach a pick to. I don't know if necessarily mm-hmm. they would be down for it. I don't know if Orlando would be up for it, but that is... Send Gary to Orlando if you want and bring me back Wendell Carter Jr. I don't know. I'm just throwing out names here at this point. But this yeah. guy wants to say, like, we need a stretch yeah. big. Let's yes. take a fire on him. He wants to say, blow it up. He wants me to be like Kevin O'Climber, no. Kevin O'Leary. You know, you want to be ringer no, podcast. I just, I, just I just think it'd be cool. You, you talked about pick and roll reps just now, right? We got all the rim running, mm-hmm. rim diving reps with Yaka Pirtle. Well, get a little sure. pick and pop rep, you know, a little pick and pop rep. Just they so have we... Jonte. They've been getting a lot of pick and pop. They reps, have, quite, yes, quite frankly. <laughs> hey, um, um, okay. How do you guys feel about actually true or false? Can I ask you guys a true or false question, real quick? Yeah. True or false? One of the three picks that they use or could use in the twenty twenty four draft that they currently have will be Zach Eady. That's a true or I'm, false? Yes. False. I'm praying. I'm praying to God. <laughs> I'm praying to God. Someone on someone there has foresight. Oh, I uh, thirty one or thirty two on Zach Eady. I suspect no. Okay, fair. That's that's just my my expectation. Um, yeah. I have no idea where he's going to land in the draft. By the way, so I I asked that going in blind. I don't. I, know. I think he's going to be a first round pick i think it goes in the 20s just because like guys with like super high college pedigree somebody ends up looking at them and says he's been a winner he won national player of the year just last year and he's improved he's this a, year. he's a boiler maker yeah, like 
Connor Hansbrough still went, I think, 15 or 16. And that's just, I think he was 13. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it was part of that draft. Was lottery. Jesus. And that, that's because just like someone believed that it would translate, just because production is sometimes hard to ignore. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is kind of like add whoever you like. This is from RRMD. Uh, big shout out. I've actually, I talked to this guy and he was extremely kind. Uh, he says, who should a realistic target at center be for this team in the long term to pair with Scotty IQ RJ? Pirtle is contracted till 25-26 with a player player option for 26-27. Can it still be him? Where does everybody settle on the front court situation? Is Pirtle contract wise is part of the future? He is a part of the core. Do we think that he is in actuality rather than just in, I guess, the M's? Minhas says Miles Bridges, bro. Oh, please, my enough. Lord. Come That's on, bro. I know you're joking. I know you're joking. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. A center question. Um, I, I think um, Jakob is a, a dynasty after you type, type <laughs> talent, but <laughs> he, he, I think he's a really good MVP. It, <laughs> he's really good it, If Kawhi would have resigned, Jakob would have literally been a dynasty starts after you player. <laughs> But, but, he's a, he, I think he's a good center. I think because of his like lack of mobility, it takes away from the ceiling of Scotty's passing. And he's already shown like within the minutes with Coloco that he can scale up to a really good vertical passer. And if we add that into the offense, it's going to allow him to be a better dribble driver because it takes away it takes away that big. So I would I would another big that would be good on the Raptors, Nick Richards, Jamaican. From the Charlotte Hornets, by the way, it would be good. But um, I think a guy like Nick Claxton, long term, makes a lot of sense. A guy who rebounds the ball really well. He yeah. he's a really good vertical vertical spacer and loves to get up and down the floor, which fits everything with what the Raptors do. So I think it would be exciting. You'd probably have to change your defense. You're probably more of a switch team now, just because he's on the thinner side. But I I think playing playing with a more switchable team that is focused on creating turnovers. I would not, not necessarily Nick Nurse, like, extreme, but allowing that to generate more offense for, for Scotty makes um, makes his life a lot easier. Okay, S. I'm just going to be out here re- repeating Trey points, man. Uh, that's, that's fine. Yeah, I look, vouch 100% on the Claxton front. I think him and Scotty would pair extremely well. The vertical threat aspect is something that's appealing. I will just pitch an idea that potentially, hopefully, whoever this next center is, is a guy who can also maybe space the floor for you a little bit. So I, I, I like, I understand the value. Of, <laughs> I understand the value of Nick Claxton, and I understand the value of vertical spacing. But I also think it's compelling to maybe add a guy who can stretch the floor for you a little bit as well. Now, to be fair, there's like maybe four guys in the NBA right now. Who can do that proficiently? It's like Porzingis, Miles Turner, Chet Holmgren, Wemby, and, and I don't know. I'm probably missing on a few guys. Vucevic. No, Vucevic isn't a good rim protector, though. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. Uh, it's just hard to come by those guys. So if I had to lean one way or another, I can see Nick Claxton being a very, very good fit. And by the way, shout out to Jakob because he is good and he's perfectly yeah. fine. Like he is a good stopgap option. But if they were. S wants Jante. I want if if Jante was like seven foot two and could shoot the ball, and yeah, maybe he was, you know he was the same height and could jump five inches higher. 
the stretch five thing i think is just so funny because if for whatever reason people considered pascal siakam a stretch five they'd look at 32 percent from three and they'd be like yeah he could he kind of shoot it but it's like the stretch five is like as you said there's like four guys yeah four of them uh and yeah so we'll see i'm glad you're here for this one s our dear friend baker he asks something about basketball, but the most important part is Samson versus Trey, 1v1 on the outside, press man-to-man, who's getting the best oh. of who and why. Oh, okay. So What's the answer, bro? We need the third party. Scouting report here says that the size advantage that Trey has will pretty easily, even if it's not on the first possession, eventually tire out a man like Samson Folk. That being said, the speed and the coordination of a man like Samson Folk, and just the the agility, the the ability to beat him off, beat beat, beat him off the triple, is an aspect that I think Samson could really thrive in. You think and, he's gonna wear me down? Yes. You think I he's do. gonna wear we, me I, down? I, we've, we've already <laughs> seen this in pickup. There's been multiple times where the ball is up in the air. Who comes? Who comes down with the ball? <laughs> Dog. Dog, your points per game against me and pickup literally drops by like eight when I'm across from you. And this also, this isn't even, this is football. This is football. You think Trey can hold me at the line? You put a linebacker on the outside against the only one. Am I allowed to press? If I'm allowed to press, then he has a really great. Yeah, he's saying, he's saying press. press, Yeah, yeah. You can't put a hand on me. Cap. (laughs) Okay, like I'm a ghost. Dog. I just I think I think the size advantage, like if I were to go one on one, if you guys were to play one on one dog, it, it's no a disadvantage. Bro, on offense, he's just bully balling. He's just he's they're saying it's Samson versus Trey one on one on the outside. Yeah, he's gonna just take you inside. I'm, no problem. I'm pressing him, keeping him on it's the sideline. It's a it's a very hard throw for the quarterback. Oh my god, I'm getting inside literally so easy, bro. <laughs> If you try and press, I'm going up and over. Okay, Big body. You, you, Trey's just barreling over you, you bro. Just go on the beach. We yeah. we have seen Trey to try to guard me in basketball for what it's look worth. how wide a basketball. Send two, send three, please God help. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like come on now. And basketball, I have to maintain a dribble. Football. Football, I oh, can put my actual bro. hands on you. <laughs> Football, he could throw you, bro. He could literally grab you and throw you onto the other side, man. We are going to – we're getting into some stuff in Mexico. I'll tell you that much. We're, we're getting a football on the beach. We're lining up. I don't know who's going to be throwing the football. I don't know if Goose has, like, a cannon for an arm or anything like that. But anyway, uh, Baker's actual question, how long do we believe this rebuild or retool of the current roster will take before the Raps are ready to be postseason competitive? Up in the air. I, I want to say two years. Nah, it should be one for you, right? Because you want the pick not to convey. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think next year, like, they should try to make the play. Like, that should be their goal. But, um, like, uh, like, an actual playoff team, it I think if Scotty is the player that we think he is, then he probably rises all all tides and gets you to at least in contention for a playoff spot. And ideally, you have a top six pick. That's that's ascending with him as well. Okay, so Coco, who I have observed as like ever the optimist, 
says four years. Timothy Roach says two to four years. I say two. So, and if Scotty is that dude, it could be next year you're punching up at something. Yeah. Like, Scotty, Scotty kind of determines how quick things start happening, in my opinion. Um, l- stars are less impactful than they used to be because the talent of the league has gotten so good. But I think two years. If by like 2000, you know, 2025, 26 comes around and they're just not even close, I'm like, whoa. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it like this. Like, look at Orlando right now. They're in year three of Franz and year two of Paulo, right? And they're like hanging around, playing, maybe the eighth seed, right? Like that's where they're at. If the mm-hmm. Raptors are that next season, then I could see the year after that being playoff team. You're a consistent playoff team. You look at Indiana, which is like, okay, they were battling around the play-in, right? Messing around mm-hmm. with the play-in for a little bit. And now... Obviously, they made some upgrades, but it was pretty well considered that they were either going to be a playing team or be like a playoff team this season. I think if you look at some of those young teams, even OKC, OKC is like a wild example of it just because they have so much like an abundance of talent. But young team got to the plan. Now they're going to take that leap. Minnesota, young team got to the plan, going to take that leap afterwards. Uh, I think it's just an inevitable step. So if, like you guys said, if Scotty is that guy and if they end up adding more talent to that, if they add to the fringes of it, by the way, that's the other part of it. It's like team building around those guys has been super important. Minnesota drafted or traded for Gobert. Orlando uh, obviously drafted Paolo, but then they like retweak their roster, added Wendell Carter, added Fultz, you know, lots of sh- like it. There's there's ways around it. So I don't know. I think you got to add talent to it, but it's possible in two years. Since I mentioned Coco, I'll just I'll add what she's uh, brought extra. She said. I am unreasonably optimistic, yes, but Scotty can't go it alone. That's all I'm saying. Just saying we aren't at pizza party yet, realistically. This reminded me. We used to talk about pizza parties. <laughs> like, we used to, the team didn't win three in a row, but we used to, like, entertain the idea of a professional basketball team in Toronto winning three games in a row, and now nobody considers it at all. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. That's crazy to me, personally. That's nuts. Three games is not that much. It's two more than one. That's like it. <laughs> That's not a lot. <laughs> like, like you would feel like a fool if you said if we win two games in a row. You because I'm pretty sure even Detroit did that early on in the season, and you feel like you know a dumbass. And three is only one more than that. Yeah. Nuts. Five hundred is our playoffs. I do not think we're making the playoffs. So this was a question that Mac. Big shout out to Mac. Hopefully he joins us at Vegas this year as we watch, you know, Summer League and Team Canada. He says, what's your Raptors win-loss record prediction for the remaining games? That's too much. I don't think I can compute that in my head. Yeah. But, like, not good. I think they will end up being 10 games below 500 like they are now. Or 12 games. (laughs) You think it'll be less? Like... Well, actually, More. wait, sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. <laughs> okay, you're right. You're totally right. Would you like to know their record in their last 10 games? <laughs> Let's do the last two months. Two and eight. <laughs> uh, 
RR says great statistical analysis, Samson. Thank you. I, I really put my thinking cap on for that one. <laughs> they are only a game and a half back of Brooklyn. They are two and a half games back of Atlanta, which is the last play-in spot. I just don't know, man. Like the play-in sounds because it's like a big swath of teams since it is four teams. It sounds like doable, but I just got, I don't know. It's tough. Very Uh, tough. I'd love it. If this team went to the plan, I'd be overjoyed over the moon. Yeah. I don't know if I see it though. How how about Jakob coming back could change the equation quite quickly. I suspect. What is the final win total is probably a better question. They're at 16 right now. Do they, Get to 30. I don't think so. I, I think. Am I like a little baby coward if I say like 28 or 29 wins? Yes. That feels low. But on the other hand, they haven't won a game in their division and they'd be the only team ever who couldn't do that. And just like, what the hell? I don't know, man. I'll say 31. But that means. God, <laughs> you know, ah, geez. I'm just like staring at numbers and 31 numbers. is 15 more wins the rest of the season, by the way. How many is... more games do they have if they're 16 and 28? So they have like a little 28 bit of... more games, yeah. No, maybe over 500, 38 more games, I think. Wait, no, if they've played 50, if wait, if they played, they played 44. 44, yeah, yeah, so yeah. they have. 38 more games, right? Yes. I did the yeah. initial math wrong. Nice. Well done. <laughs> math podcast. Oh, yeah. So, 44, 38 more games, 15 and 23. I don't know, that's man. Actually, like, I don't know. It's on the higher side, but that's not, not doable. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. 15 and 23, they can do. 31 wins. Sure. Apparently, they are top five easiest schedules moving forward. So, whatever nice. that whatever that means. Right. Whatever that means. Yeah, I'll go. They they go north of 30. Yeah. I'll be the brave one. I think it's probably 27, 28 games. But how many of those games are you going to enjoy? Every single one. All of Smile them. watch. My, my, what, what's... Dis, despite all of the losses, my smile has been intact. Like The, the Raptors do it. As it should do. be. As it should be. <laughs> uh, Give me a smile, Trey. Sigh. Right. <laughs> Messiah atoned for for his sins. He he he, he cried on on the cross. So, <laughs> oh my God! Man. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm barbecue era is gone as I expected. Really was mixing a lot of metaphors here, but okay, yes, like uh, all good. That I feel like we answered most of the the questions. Yeah, do you guys have do you guys have any other? conversations you'd want to talk about like does anything else interest you about what's happening with the team mm. before we get out of here i guess i'm at the deadline i know we we have fun stuff coming from that but i guess s do you think the raptors should sell on the remaining veterans or keep them around they've got to go <laughs> <laughs> it's time to go, time to go. <laughs> um i mean like if the right deal is available bruce brown i think is is like a foregone conclusion at this point 
Um, but you know, when it comes to Dennis and Gary and Chris, I think it just depends on what's available. Gary could be interesting because teams will always love getting like a nice little shooter off the bench type of thing. If you're trying to compete. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It could be interesting. I, I, I think Bruce for sure, though, yeah. like for sure. Terrence Davis returned a mid second. Crazy. Crazy to me. Wow. Absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, I wonder what comes back with that kind of stuff. Coco says her RJ Animal Comp is a badger. Is there a badger Pokemon? I feel like there yes, is. But yeah, they, we'll we'll find that later. Um, outside of that, was I going to talk about anything? Did I have anything in mind? I don't think so. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe some guys get traded. I guess we'll see. Can I do the? Can I do the hashtag ad? Okay. So I have news for everybody listening of what you, the listener or the viewer, will be doing on February 6th. It'll be downtown Toronto at Rivoli. Last year, we sold it out. Go to raptorsrepublic.com and buy your tickets. The guest list as of now, the three men standing here, myself, Trey S., will all be there as panelists. There will also be William Liu, Blake Murphy, Andrew Damlin, Imana Don, and two be-named guests that we are still working on securing, etc. So it should be a super fun night of talking just before the trade deadline comes around. Last year was a total blast. Um, and yeah, just like outside of, uh, outside of, you know, a collection of people who hopefully you don't mind listening, talk basketball. Uh, also the afterward stuff, hanging around, chopping it up with people uh, is like a ton of good fun. So do you guys have any expectations about that night? No, don't throw tomatoes. Yeah, at I was me. about to say, don't, don't hate me. But... Yeah. Hmm. You think that's a possibility? That's always a possibility. Yeah. There was, did anybody get booed last year? I don't think that happened. No, I don't think so. No, all no. Maybe so... like, maybe like when they said something, you know, Hmm. you know, I can't remember anybody getting booed. Mm-hmm. Like there were people who got like applause. Yeah. So yeah. if you like, maybe you guys will get some applause. That will feel nice, right? Yeah. It'll like, it'll Trey, be. Trey, I remember you asking me after the one live podcast. You're like, "Do you feel powerful?" You know what? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Trey didn't say that. That's a joke for us. Um. Anyway, that feels like a podcast. Yeah. So uh it's 15 dollars to come hang out it helps keep the website alive that's you know you have to be creative in the way that you fund journalism nowadays especially if you're not part of one of the two massive telecom companies in canada and somehow raptors republic has outlasted sports illustrated and yahoo sports and literally we're only able to do that because of uh, the subscription base which is god bless and thank you to everybody who subscribes over at the website and uh yeah and stuff like this the rr three on three tournament the you know live pods the live watch parties all that kind of stuff is a boon for the website and helps foster community for raptors fans which i think a lot of people have and like a big interest in the raptors to the point that you would listen to podcasts about it you would go to a live podcast is like you probably want friends who have similar interests and that's a great place to meet people like that i know like it's a live pod but it's also like, I don't know, go make a friend. Post-pandemic, people aren't making friends the same way, man. Link and build. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's build, fam. That's build. Yeah. Okay. 
that feels like an end of the podcast. Any any parting shots, fellas? Keep the pick. All right. All right. Yes, yes. I agree. Keep keep the pick in San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, before the 80 people are currently watching live, thanks for enjoying supper with us. I presume some of you have been eating over there, hanging out. Um, thanks for tuning in. Alex says, Samson, you played D1 basketball? No, <laughs> I did not play D1 basketball. You played D1 football, though, for uh, um, the Alabama Crimson Tide, you know? So. Rules. <laughs> That's why Trey, Trey can't mess with me, bro. He made all these jokes. He was like, you're white. You can't be a cornerback. And then he put the week out on the break. And who was there to intercept it? Ooh. Me. Matched him step for step. Just And, like, also, S was there. The last time Trey and I raced, he, it wasn't close. I mean, like, it literally was, like, had to have been 1 a.m. In, in school. No, it wasn't. It was definitely. It was, it was, it was like, 8 p.m. It was, like, it was like afternoon, no, bro. It was, like, what are you, like, are you, like, are you, like, are you, like, you're like six years old. You can't function at 1 a.m. even though it was 8 p.m. <laughs> it was well, 8. Time difference. The, we, la- the first time we, we raced, I was stretched out. I was ready to go. It was early in the morning. But it's fun. <laughs> you were what? Yeah, you guys got to do oh. round three. Do round three in Mexico. Yeah. That's know? right. On the beach. RR says, who still calls it supper? Dinner? Yeah. Yes. I don't know. Is that like a, a Saskatchewan You're thing? You're the only person that calls it I think, supper. yeah, supper mm. is definitely a, yeah. You know, in Saskatchewan, they would call chocolate milk Vico. Kind of how you call like you call tissue paper uh, Kleenex, right? Oh, oh, right. The the chocolate milk that was in Saskatchewan was called Vico. Also, right. everyone knows this. They call these things like bunny hugs instead of hoodies, which is a crazy one. They call the like it's right there. It's where the hot air comes out of. I call that a register. Oh, right, right. You right. guys would call it a vent. Vent. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what else. What else other things in Saskatchewan they say weird? But there's some of them that I do say, but then some things I don't say. Like you guys say pop, you know, backwoods, fellas. I say soda. soda. Like an elevated individual. Nah, it's pop. It's pop. It's What's pop. wait, can before we get out of here, can someone tell me some like Toronto based stuff? Um I don't even know. Like Toronto based word. Oh, so now we're gonna pretend like Toronto doesn't have slang. Oh, it's <laughs> like, so like, tough. Yeah. Okay, other than the regular, like what you've heard before, like slang. I don't know if there's there's like anything specific. Like, wait. So like you're saying like they weren't. They wait, what do you what do you guys call McDonald's in Saskatchewan? Mm-hmm. We don't go there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> But like I've heard it uh, here, I've heard like Mickey boycott, D's. divest, sanction. I don't think that's a Toronto um, thing. But no, it's not. It's not. No, that's like I when I was in New Zealand, they call McDonald's um, Maccas, Maccas, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah bro, we're going to call Maccas, yeah. And then Burger um, King is Hungry Jacks. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, hmm, I don't, like I don't know. I guess You're right. Boycott, is there not boycott them? There wait. So there's not. Um, there's not nicknames for stuff in Toronto. No, not that. Like you guys, not, not that, that not that it comes to mind right now. Like you wouldn't like you wouldn't call like a puffer something unique. Like there's nothing like that. No. I have no idea. Like it makes sense. Like a hoodie would be called a bunny hug because it's like this soft thing you wear. But whoever came with up with that, I don't like calling it a a bunny hug because that doesn't feel like fashion, and I like fashion. But bunny hug's pretty cute. It is cute. Anyway, yeah. 
anyway, before people get out of here, make sure to like the video. It helps spread it to other people. Hopefully you enjoyed it and it's free. Subscribe over at raptorsrepublic.com. You see the man to my left on screen, my right on screen. That's his Fandy Arberhaney. He is now doing the recaps he used to do for Steve Dangle Podcast Network on the Raptors Republic YouTube channel. In my opinion, one oh. man's opinion, they are a rare combination of reporting, quote aggregation, analysis, and overview of games that quite frankly, I think there's more work put into that. There's more production put into that than like a game recap from TSN. It has a similar quality there. And it also meshes like the way I would and a lot of like analysts would approach looking at a game. And it has all the quotes. It's like a tremendous amount of work. It's some of the best game coverage there is. It's now hosted on Raptor Republic's YouTube channel. Stay tuned for that. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, subscribe over raptorsrepublic.com, and I'll see all of you February 6th, including you two crazy guys. Okay, thanks everybody. And from myself, Trey and S, whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. We got a podcast. There you go.